3: No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.
0: See website for details. I'm in this world and they a 32 In 32
2: days, days, I'm Alex Chester. Show. And with me as so almost so always is Wheels Leonecker. Wheels, how's it rolling? Almost always. Well, you've uh, been a little bit absent the last couple of weeks for certain segments of certain episodes. Which segments of which episodes? <laughs> I guess listeners will have to go back and notice uh, a silence of Akiva for a long time. Unless I just muted your line because you were uh, giving uh, annoying hot takes.
0: Yeah, I I was, I, you know, I was in New York. It was a really whirlwind few weeks. Now I'm back. I'm a little jet-lagged still. You were in but... Florida with the Zika sushi. Yeah, I was in Florida. I was in New York. I was in Paris. I've been all over the world, I have to tell you. And the only place I really care about is my bed. Like, my my office and my room back here is my solitude, and the only person I care about is the man who's delivering my my dinner in a few minutes that hopefully I'll hear because I have my headphones in.
2: Yeah, by the way, I'm impressed by the fact that you've lived in Israel for like a decade and still don't know enough Hebrew
0: to order on the phone. (laughs) Oh, you heard me say, can I order in English? Yeah. Oh. Well, the truth is I did most of it in Hebrew. It's just like if I can't understand something, I'd like to... I then yeah, turned said, and, and ordered. You said it. your
2: phone number in Hebrew, so you do know the numbers. Uh, oh no, I,
0: I turned and, o- and did almost the whole order. I don't know how to say. I know to say onion, but I don't know how to say onion rings. I know onions, but sal but how do you say onion rings?
2: Tabat <laughs> but I don't know. <laughs> uh,
0: I know fries as chips. Yeah, uh, I, I could have done though. I, I have not could have done the whole thing in Hebrew, but my preference is always to speak English. Yeah,
2: yeah. You are back home. The Olympics is over. Your favorite time of the year is done, although your next favorite time of the year is coming because football's almost on its way. Yeah,
0: you know, I love the Olympics more than anyone, but I'm also always so fine when they end. It's not like the NFL where I'm like depressed, like I'm still in a depression from February and I would pay like $1,000 for the NFL season to start tomorrow. Although yeah. there would be a lot of fantasy drafts I'd have to do tonight, but still. <laughs> yeah. Um, I just, I don't know, like there, there's so many events, like Nate Silver had this awful take where he's like, the Olympics are too Uh, condensed into 16 days. Now there's over over 300 events. And they're going to jump from like 306 to like 320 next time because they're adding baseball and softball and karate and sports climbing and uh, something else I'm missing. Still not tug of war for some reason. No, tug of war has not gotten back... I feel like yeah. they could cut golf. I feel like golf was a universal failure. Keep women's golf because they really, like, I'm a, you know, like the hundredth percentile of like minor sport fans, minor, you know, like the secondary sports. And like, I, you know, I could name like dozens and dozens of male golfers, but I, I could name like eight female golfers tops. Like, the women's golf has completely collapsed. Like, they don't, they have a lot of weeks that are off just because like there's no sponsors, so there's no events. Nowadays. And like they didn't even get Michelle Wee in that tournament anyway. So I don't know why I'm talking about women's golf. But uh, uh, I love the Olympics. I love I miss like weightlifting already. I watched every jump of the women's high jump. It was there was so much drama. Vashti Cunningham. Yeah, it was the the weirdest thing. It was like a high school meet because she's 16. Everyone. No, everyone missed every jump. It was like the event just oh, ended. I, I, only watched, I only watched the highlights on NBC. Yeah, in yeah. It's insane. Like, I watched the whole thing online. I had my daughter in here. I was explaining to her, like, Shantae Lowe is an, an American woman. She has the best jump in the world this year. She's 32. She has three kids, one of them special needs. She lived in her car. She lost two houses. Like, like she has like 10 of those sob stories in one. This is her fourth Olympic. She's coming, I think, fourth and fifth and sixth now. She was in fourth place. Everyone had missed. So she had the last jump. It was torn- it was going to be over no matter what. She hits the jump, she gets the gold medal, she misses, she gets fourth place. And she yeah, just missed. I saw that. Yeah, it was uh, but like, you know, if you watch the whole thing, you realize like the- and it was crazy cuz like the British announcer on like the NBC live feeds online said like, "Oh, you know, Ruth Batia, the Spanish woman wins the this is clearly the highlight of the entire Olympics." Like <laughs> <laughs> and like NBC like didn't even show her or say her name, I'm sure. Uh, yeah. like, and he's like, this is definitely the story of the games. Yeah, but but it's like, I don't I don't miss it anymore, and we shouldn't be talking about it, because it's already Wednesday. Well, so I
2: want to talk about Olympics basketball for a second. So the American team, obviously, they ended up running away with it. Uh, although, you know, they had a couple close games, obviously, Australia, Serbia in the early rounds, Spain in the semifinal. So here's my issue. The argument... Why American America struggles relative to the other countries, even though their talent obviously vastly outweighs every other country. Every other country trots out like three or four marginal NBA players, and the U.S. has twelve NBA All Stars or eleven, in Harrison Barnes. Mm-hmm. But the argument is because these guys play together every summer, they know each other, and the American guys are thrown together randomly, right? Yes. But we can agree that if the non-American teams were ent- were put in the NBA, they would be the first seven teams in the lottery. Like again, they are by far worse than any
0: NBA team. Of course. I mean, there's no depth. Like, the worst yeah. players in their yeah. team stick. Yeah. Exactly. So my every, question most is— Most of the good teams have seven or eight players who could definitely be in the NBA, at least. Yeah, and every
2: NBA team has 12 guys who could be in the NBA. Right.
0: Yeah. But none of them have 12.
2: Yes. Okay, so my argument is that if the goal is to win, which is the goal, that's why we don't just send 12 superstars, but we've taken some role-player-type guys, like Tayshaun Prince in past Olympics, mm-hmm. or Andre Iguodala, Christian Leitner, role to be the white guy. Yeah, no white guy this year. Well, I guess half of Clay Thompson. So why not just take the NBA champions? Why not take the NBA champions or t- they almost take did the Warriors? We had half the Warriors. Take the Warriors minus Andrew Bogut. Why not just send them? They've been yeah. practicing together. And then who do you throw in instead of Bogut? Team?
0: You give them boogie instead of Bogut? Who cares? are going to a lot they, of big men that way. Whatever, but they've been it's practicing a terrible together. Idea. They're the Why they're, those guys are falling apart. You should take, like, the te- the best team okay, that missed take, the playoffs. Take any team.
2: Take take the Sixers. Any NBA team, right. again, would win, and they've been practicing together longer than these. Oh, would the these-
0: Sixers this year have won? I'm not so sure.
2: And they also have been practicing together long because they're mostly guys in 10-day contracts. Right.
0: <laughs> uh, but, yeah, no, like, take a, t- take a good team that lost in the first round of playoffs that has some legs. Yeah, whatever.
2: So I don't understand why they don't do that. Uh, you know, they want to name the team well in advance. Guys have to have plans, et cetera, but – If the argument is you need guys who practice together, then just take an actual team. So the other Uh, thing I want to talk about is our Olympics pool came to a close. It was a uh, great success, I think. Right?
0: Yeah, sure. I mean, we got it. We got it plugged. You know, to seventy thousand people on Deadspin. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah. So I I ended up in the money, which is pretty good. Uh, You ended up uh, right in the middle, just about average, almost exactly average. Despite the fact that you obviously are literally the one hundredth percentile of Olympics knowledge, and I know zero. And to me, that's not. It's not that I did better than you despite that it's I did better right. than you specifically because of that right Is that why
0: you beat me in NFL pools too? your lack
2: <laughs> of knowledge does yeah. not hinder you Exactly you, you know about my longtime fantasy league, which is very intense Super fan Robbie's in it for example mm-hmm. it is like the most intense league like we've literally literally without exaggerating sent over a thousand emails in the last week. you know how like when you send a, a Gmail conversation after 100
0: the thread restarts yeah we've it's restarted. very annoying there should be a, there yeah. should be an option to not restart.
2: Yeah, we've started multiple threads like pretty much every day, so we're out of control.
0: Are there people who are normal who who don't respond to every email? Like who are just like there, but they they never say anything. Well, those people we filter out of the league because we don't. We want people who are super responsive and you know insane. Because in my in my like keeper league, I haven't been responding. Like I don't even vote when they vote on like keeper rules and stuff now.
2: Ah, oh, you're such annoying. No, I I, I'll, I'll like a, tell like, commissioner, the I like
0: I'll tell the commissioner like I can't deal with this now. Uh, just you could you you know take my vote as a vote forever you want.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Shamaria always uh, automatically votes with me. He's my uh he's my Mussolini. If I'm Hitler, he's Mussolini. <laughs> um not, not that I you know want to exterminate Jews and Gypsies, but just because a commissioner has to ha- be a dictator sometimes and enforce the rule. <laughs> anyway, so so in this league, you know, not not to toot my own horn because this is actually it sounds like a brag, but it's going to turn out into a reverse of a brag. I've done very well in this league. I've won like four titles in in thirteen years, and I've made the playoffs every year but one, pretty much. And the reason I do that, and I make this argument every year, is because fantasy football is zero percent skill,
0: ten percent pain. 50% the pro- – okay. No.
2: Yeah, but I'm the only one in this league who acknowledges that. And so everybody else – like everybody else in the preseason, they're like, all right, these are my sleepers. This is the guy I want to target. Other people always ask me for advice because they know I'm pretty good at fantasy football. And they say, all right, who, who do you like among tier two receivers? And I always answer, nobody and everybody. I, I, autumn, I force myself to remove any opinions I have. So look, look at the Olympics pool. You are an Olympics expert. You looked at all the events and thought Australia was going to do well. And so you picked Australia. Mm-hmm. What I what I did is the same thing I do for football and everything else. I took the average projections of a bunch of different websites, and I just went so on that. To do that, that. for so the football, average...
0: you look at, like, here's what Matthew Barry and Eric Carroll and, and all these guys.
2: I, I t- exactly. I took nine different websites. I average out their average projected scoring based on our scoring system, and I draft based on that order, 100%. I never deviate even one guy because I like him or don't like him because I think that those biases mm. – only can harm, because I'm, re- I'm relying on objective observe, objective analysis that has no opinions, mm-hmm. and maybe one or two of them are off on given players, but there's so many that they average out. Mm. And so, like, in the Olympics pool, you took Australia, and to me that was crazy, because Australia, based on my projections, was worth exactly 39, which is how much they were going for. So, to me, it wasn't a good pick, because there was no value there. You thought there was value, because you know actual Olympians, which I don't. Mm-hmm. Knowledge can only hurt. If you rely on stats, you'll succeed. If you inject your own opinions, even if they're knowledgeable opinions, you suffer, mm-hmm. is my opinion. Basically. So there's
0: never, like, a player in fantasy football that would be too abhorrent for you to own? No. You know, bring on the murderers and the child abusers and the woman abusers. That's just the Redskins <laughs> backfield. Okay. Yeah. Um. Uh, speaking of the Redskins, yeah. So today we're talking the NFC East. It's our fifth division. Oh, I meant Vikings. I don't know why I said Redskins. But good segue oh. to my mistake. Yeah.
2: Okay, so I think I told you last week I was at this uh, weird conference, this, uh, like, the sports conference about, like, sort of. Yeah, Public interest sports So there was somebody there from RISE Which is an organization that Stephen Ross The owner of the Dolphins And the Big Universe Michigan Booster started uh, To combat racism in sports And part of RISE is they have this This, like, this, this declaration that they want every single player to make And they put our PSAs with the players saying it And here, we can play it right now quickly Take the pledge And will rise up against racism And we'll rise up I pledge I pledge, I pledge. You treat everyone with respect, respect, and dignity. Will I will not tolerate
1: discrimination or harassment
0: of any kind. I will speak up, speak up, whenever I know discrimination is happening. And I will stand up, get up, rise up for victims. Take the pledge at rise2win.org.
2: So you hear that? So that's Tom Brady and Ryan Tannehill and a bunch of NFL players reading this declaration, promising that when they see discrimination or offensive language, they will take a stand against offensive language. But of course, Tom Brady's a hypocrite because you know he says that in the PSA, and yet he hasn't spoken out when his uh, the candidates endorsed for president has said discriminatory things. And an article in the USA Today, which I'll link to in the podcast comments, which basically points out the hypocrisy of Stephen Ross and Rise. That they were asked why well, they said, Why don't you take a stand against the Washington professional football team and boycott their name or at least call it out? And they refused to do that. So, really, it's just a PR stunt. But here are 32 fans, we're, more, we're not just about PR stunts, we take principles. So, we're going to boycott the Washington professional football team and not have a Washington uh, guest on the podcast this year.
0: no yeah, that's not really true.
2: Yeah, actually, um, <laughs> our Washington fan just IM'd us as we're about to start the podcast that he has a, an emergency and cannot make it. So, uh, but you know, let's uh, try and pretend that we have principles when we have none.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, we'd have anybody on the podcast. Um, I. Yeah. But you were also mad they didn't give you kosher food. They were discriminating against you at the at the at the event. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah, I, I did send out no a, a tweet against them.
0: <laughs> no one got back to you on that. No,
2: it was not a crowd. It was not a heavily kosher crowd. It was like everybody was like British. Like, first of all, it was people who all say sport instead of sports. Ooh, I would have left right away. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> There was a lot of talk about
0: sport. Right. That's like a hate crime for your ears. Uh, you should you should speak up about that.
2: And the weird thing is that they say sport in the singular, but they say maths in the plural.
0: Yeah, everything they do in England's wrong. That actually
2: makes sense because we say, the word is mathematics, right? Yeah. So why is it? Why do we say math
0: in the singular? Actually, that doesn't make sense. We say physics, whatever. Uh, should we get to the NFC East? No, let's just keep going with your awesome like mathematics rant. <laughs>
2: Okay, Akiva, so when we had the AFC North on last time, you said that that is the most hated division in football. But I think pretty clearly the most hated division in football is today's division, the NFC East. All four teams hate each other, and everybody hates each of those four teams other than fans of those four teams, right? I mean, you have the Cowboys, who obviously everybody hates the Cowboys. You have the Eagles, you know, Philadelphia fans are seen as terrible, but the Eagles are sort of seen as the worst of that group. Washington, where you can't even say the team's name, you know, they have an owner who's seen as a dick and, you know, has destroyed that franchise. And then the Giants, who are, you know, the team in New York, everybody hates New York anyways, the team with derp face Eli Manning. Uh, you know, they're seen as like the NFL's favorite franchise. They've won two bullshit Super Bowls and right. can't even, you know, win more than 10 games in a season. So, I mean, is there anybody who doesn't hate all four of these teams?
0: Yeah, I was trying to think which, if you had to pick one that's more the most likable of the four, which would you pick?
2: Well, the Eagles, because you have sympathy. Yeah,
0: Are I you? guess the, they're hard to, to hate. Yeah, like the Redskins, you can't really root for them until Snyder's gone. I do think Jerry Jones has had a little bit of a face turn where he's like... Well, not... he's literally had a face turn. Yeah, well, that's for a couple true also. But yeah. he's not totally detestable, Jerry Jones, at this point, I don't think.
2: I mean, I I don't agree with that, but uh, we'll we'll get to that as we uh, bring our guests in. Yeah, so let's welcome our guests now. So we have guests to uh, discuss the NFC East. Uh, We'll start with the team that finished at the bottom of the division last year. That's the Dallas Cowboys. And we have, as we did last year, to discuss the Cowboys, Jordan Parhar. Jordan, of course, hosts the uh, Happy Hour podcast covering Big Brother and a bunch of other reality shows. Uh, Jordan, you're on Twitter at Jordan Parhar, your name. Uh, how are you doing tonight?
3: I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, guys. Uh, it's a pleasure uh, to be back. I uh, didn't expect the Cowboy season to go the way it did last year, but uh, we'll, yeah, we'll see. Was I think... Jordan
0: bullish? Chester remembers these things. Was Jordan really high on the Cowboys last year when we had him on?
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, both of us were also. You were especially. I think you had them like five or six in your power rankings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So everybody, everybody was bullish on I mean, I, I asked Jordan, I said, do you think that it's messing with karma to have so many jerks on the team? And he said no, but in hindsight, maybe it was a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I, th- I think um, maybe a bit. <laughs> just a bit. <laughs> um, uh, we have a new Giants fan. Last year, of course, Josh Berliner predicted the Giants would go 16-0. And he was the most incorrect of all our guests, and so we've uh, replaced him. Here to talk about the Giants today is A.B. Sutton. A.B., welcome to the podcast.
4: Hey, how you guys doing?
2: Hey. Good. Uh, here to discuss the Eagles, as he was last year when he was a hardcore believer in Chip Kelly, a uh, big believer in the system for the Philadelphia 76ers, so it's been a rough few months for him. <laughs> um, unless he's bought the Kool-Aid on the, on the new uh, regime in town for all his teams. Shamir Simon. Shamir, welcome back to the Thank podcast. you, thank you. I
1: still have a stomachache from drinking
2: all that Kool-Aid. <laughs> yep. Okay, so Jordan, let's start with you. Let's start with your Cowboys. Again, this was the team that was worse than division last year, somehow. Uh, Akiva's going to argue that it's all because of Tony Romo's injury and that if Tony Romo had been there, I don't know what, they would have got 11 and 5?
0: I mean, they had four quarterbacks throw 100 passes last year. I don't know if that's ever, I mean, they, they one, I think uh, Whedon maybe only got to 98 or something like that, but they were two passes away from, I assume, being the first team ever to have four, four QBs <laughs> throw 100 passes.
3: Yeah, it's uh, unbelievable year last year for the Cowboys. I mean, you think about all of the bad luck there. uh, Yeah, Romo is the—that's really—he's the key to the team. I mean, you saw what happened without him, and I think uh, you know this year they're going to be in major trouble again if he goes down. And I would not be too surprised if he gets injured because I think Tony Romo is uh, probably—he's arguably the most injury-prone starting quarterback in the NFL right now, just with all these back surgeries and. Uh, you know shoulder problems and all this other stuff so um, I, I'm a lot more skeptical about the team going into this season than uh, compared to where I was a year ago
0: yeah three straight years you. he hasn't played 16 games um, and the thing is like like you said the backup thing and, and they didn't I mean who's who's the number two quarterback right now uh,
3: right now it's Dak Prescott who they drafted yeah. oh boy yeah
0: yeah. And, I mean, it's, I mean honestly, can't there's more upside than there year. than yeah, – yeah, it can't get worse. There's more upside with Prescott than with Matt Castle or Whedon. I mean, Kellen Moore was okay. He didn't play well, but, you know, in, on, on paper he's okay. Um, but I, to me, my problem is – and, you know, I'm a Jet fan, and we had in, in, uh, in, in uh, 2008 and 2009, or not, uh, 9 and 10, we had, you know, this all-world uh, offensive line. We had five pro bowlers. And they, they rode Mark Sanchez, who one year had 12 touchdowns and 21 interceptions as a rookie, to, you know, 15 minutes away from the Super Bowl, basically. You guys have a better offensive line than that team that, you know, literally carried their way almost to the Super Bowl. And you're going to squander it if Romo gets hurt. So to me, it's insane not to have a better backup. But either way, like, I mean, first of all, I assume you agree, right? Like, this is kind of a historically good offensive line.
3: Oh, oh yeah, it's an amazing offensive line and yeah, it is it's kind of going to waste. I mean, if you think about it, Um, there's definitely, there's no help really behind Romo. I mean, Dak Prescott was unbelievable in his first, uh, preseason game, but that's one preseason game. I mean, you're not going to, he's going against, you know, the Rams third and fourth string guys. So, uh, Jerry Jones now, uh, after that game, Jerry Jones was saying, oh, he's like, yeah, we don't, we don't need a quarterback. We're fine. And it's like, dude, like, I just don't understand why they wouldn't just go out and get somebody, uh, you know, Prescott, he's got promise, but you can't lean on him in year one. He's very raw and he's got a lot to learn. So, uh, I think it's a huge mistake and the defense too. I mean, that defensive line with all these suspensions, uh, on the Cowboys right now, I mean, they're really going to struggle on defense. So they better hope, uh, that Romo stays healthy and that they just lean on Zeke and hope that he can carry them to the promised land.
2: Jordan, your backup quarterback could be worse if Jerry Jones had gotten his way it would be Johnny football that you'd have <laughs> <laughs> right yeah well I, I i read the other day Jerry
3: Jones said that uh he they will never sign Johnny Manziel ever where, whereas a few months ago uh it sounded like he was he was intrigued by Manziel when uh, TMZ was like chasing him down so who knows i wouldn't be surprised if Manziel shows up uh at
2: some point but uh it's hard it's to true. trust Jerry Jones also with you know uh, uh, he's he's also the one who last summer, remember, was texting with Adrian Peterson, and they the thought they might want him, <laughs> right? Yeah, I mean, somebody managed to convince him that you, you're not you don't want to spend fifteen million dollars on a thirty year old running back. Although, actually, let me let me segue that way and ask you about Ezekiel Elliott. So, uh, when we when you did the NFL our draft preview in April, you said that it, you, if it's what you thought they would do, you thought they would take Joey Bosa, and if what you wanted them to do was take Miles Jack, who obviously you know ended up dropping all the way to the second round because of injury concerns. But you had no idea that Ezekiel Elliott was coming, and I think with good reason, because the Cowboys of all teams should be well aware of the fact that you don't want to invest heavily in a running back. They had DeMarco Murray lead the league in rushing in 2014, and they let him go. And it proved correct because last year with a bunch of nobodies, with Darren McFadden as their leading rusher, I think they were fourth in the NFL in rushing. So the Cowboys know that it's about the offensive line. It's not about who you put in the backfield. So why waste the number four overall pick on a running back? Well, I'm sure we'll put up great numbers, great fantasy numbers, but anybody can do that with this Cowboys offensive line.
3: Yeah, exactly, and it's this is what happens when, uh, you know, Jerry Jones, a guy who's you know really he's like Donald Trump, he's just gonna do a bunch of stupid things, and he wants the big you know sexy pick, and that was Ezekiel Elliott. When in reality, at that point, okay, Bosa's gone, they probably should have taken someone like Jalen Ramsey. I think that would have made a lot more sense to you know bolster that defense, but instead. Um, you know, or or maybe even taking the quarterback of the future. Uh, I I mean, maybe it would require them to move up in the draft, of course. But um, still, I I, uh, I I yeah, I I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm on board now at this point. I think it will be fun to watch. But um, I agree with you, man. I, I think that they definitely could have looked elsewhere for a running back that would have been uh more than capable.
0: I like the Donald Trump comparison, Chester. Also, because one, it's it's funny because you think about like Trump. And there's no way he'd ever be approved, like, even before he started getting political, like, super political, you know, a year and a half ago. There's no way he would have ever been approved to be, an, uh, like, an NFL or Major League Baseball owner. Well, like, because
2: we, he destroyed the USFL. Of
0: course, like we would never – so we would never – right. He's like the Isaiah Thomas of the USFL. Do like. You see,
2: he he tweeted out about a year ago now something about how New England Patriots fans are really unlucky because he wanted to buy the team in like 1994 Right. And he didn't get And I'm like, are you completely unaware of what they've done in the last 20 years under Bob Kraft?
0: Right. What were they going to do? Win eight Super Bowls? <laughs> um, but it, it is just amazing the idea that like he, that we wouldn't let this person be a – uh like you know own a football team but we would let him be president also uh you know to knock uh, hillary and trump a little bit you would never hire a coach who's 70 or 71 right like coughlin couldn't get another job and he has two super bowls you'd never (laughs) hire so like you're gonna hire you're gonna you know elect a president who's 70 an nfl team would never hire a 70 year old coach because like how long are they gonna last as you know before they start losing their mind
3: Oh yeah, absolutely. It's, it's 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 very very funny when you put it that way.
0: Well, Jordan's Canadian, so he'll just the only way he he'll deal with the election is, you know, his his people he knows migrating north possibly.
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. People have been talking the talk with that. We'll see if people actually walk the walk if anything happens.
2: Yeah, okay. So let's talk about the defense now for a second. Uh Jordan, as I'm sure you remember, going into the 2014 season, people were talking about how the Cowboys might have literally the worst defense In NFL history that year and of course they turned it around dramatically and that was a big part of the reason why they went 12 and 4 and it was guys like Rolando McClain who sort of came you know had massive turnarounds from nowhere now Rolando McClain is suspended for 10 games a lot of those guys who you know obviously Sean Lee is always injured uh, and is getting really old this defense looks like it's gonna be really bad the secondary you mentioned you wish that they had taken Jalen Ramsey the secondary looks bad the front seven looks a little bit better but not not very good where do you see any any uh, room for hope in this defense? <laughs> there isn't much. Um, I mean, I, I honestly don't
3: even know. Like, there's no even like. I guess a front seven's not so bad. The I mean, if if Sean Lee can somehow stay healthy, um, you know that linebacking core is not that bad, but. <laughs> Um, I don't know, the secondaries week. It's just so many holes everywhere. There really is no hope. Basically, yeah, they're going to have to take the 2014 model, hope that Ezekiel Elliott is there, DeMarco Murray, and that they just keep this defense off the field. Because I I think this defense could be, I think this defense will be, uh, you know, they were predicting in 2014 that one would be terrible. It wasn't that bad. I do think this one is going to be said defense that is the worst in NFL history. I really do. It could be, uh, I really believe it could be in there. So I am a little bit, uh just slightly concerned with how things are going to go on the, the defensive side of the ball this year
2: so is your goal basically to be like the NFC's version of the Steelers hope that romo stays healthy you have a dynamite offense and you just win every game 35-31
3: yeah that's what i would love that i mean as a fan that would be amazing and uh you know i i i think like <laughs> realistically, that's how they're going to win ball games. I really can't see them winning any other way. Uh, like, I don't know how anyone on this defense is really going to force turnovers. I mean, Byron Jones, I could see him making a bit of a, a, bit of a leap this year forward in terms of progress. But outside of that, I mean, there isn't anybody that I'm overly excited about uh, on this side, that side of the ball. <laughs>
2: <laughs> All right, well, I appreciate the honesty. Yeah, Let's that's get the look- truth. All right, so let's transition. You talked about not being excited. To me, this is like the least exciting team in football because they're really the same team every single year, again, except for times when they randomly make the wild card and then randomly win a Super Bowl. Ab, that's your New York Giants.
0: Whoa, he's not a Ben McAdoo, f- Chester. You're not into Ben McAdoo? What are you talking about?
2: The Giants completely were a clusterfuck this
0: offseason. Oh, I'm going to talk myself into Ben McAdoo like be- being coach of the year by the-, by the time the season starts. No question.
2: But Akiva, they have, well, I will let Ab answer, but they have an entire coaching team staff that's been identical for years and years, and they decide the problem is Tom Coughlin and only Tom Coughlin, everybody else stays in place? The 71-year-old guy has to go? Like, that makes no sense. Either clean house or why getting rid of Coughlin?
4: I definitely don't agree with your assessment. McAdoo has really improved the offense the last two years. Um, Eli seems like he's really comfortable in his system. He put up great numbers last year. Uh, Maybe not so much from an advanced stat perspective, who uh, I think pro football-focused didn't love his season, But, you know, they're obviously passing a ton because of their terrible run game. Um, And he's putting up numbers. And Coughlin, I've we know he kind of lucked into two Super Bowls, but Giants fans have been complaining about Coughlin for a decade. He runs a very predictable offense. You always know what's going to come. He he runs when you should run. He passes when you should pass. He never takes a risk. Um, He'll go for it on fourth down occasionally, but not as much as I would like. And... I think McAdoo is a fresh change. If if only for, they lost two games last year purely on clock management of the last two minutes of the fourth quarter. And I think McAdoo, maybe on his first day of hiring, said, I'm going to have like three guys on the sideline checking clocks purely, and I'm just going to rely on them. And just that could have made a two-game difference last year. So I think Coughlin was, he's a great players coach, but he was really a little behind the time. Players coach,
0: he makes everyone come early.
4: Uh, no, he, he has that reputation, and the, the players, I guess he turned around um, in that first Super Bowl season, and ever since then, the players have loved him.
2: All right, hold on, A.B., I'm going to call bullshit. So you said that uh, McAdoo's really turned Eli around the last two years. Eli Manning is the only quarterback in the NFL, in fact, the only quarterback in history. Now, oh pro football focus, their numbers don't go back that long, but he has gotten worse every single year for five consecutive years, 2011, 12, 13, 14, 15. He's got worse five years in a row. If you look at his numbers last year, you just look at total yards and touchdowns, and you're like, "Oh no, he's as good as ever." But he attempted a career high in passing attempts, which is why those numbers are inflated. His yards per attempt lowest of his career. His average depth of target lowest of his career. Usually, when you're dinking and dunking like that, you'd expect his completion percentage to go up. His completion percentage went down as well. So, by every metric other than just you know looking at like the big you know yards and touchdowns, Eli's gotten worse every year. And now he's 35.
4: He's shown no sign of you know his age affecting him. I mean. Other well, than, except for the fact that he's gotten worse five consecutive no, years I, in his 30s. The, the offense is built for, for, sh- for dinking and dunking, admittedly. So he's, I, I would expect the yardage um, to go down per, per pass or per completion. I'm sure both have been down. So that, that doesn't surprise me. And, and I would actually attribute some of the, of the poor numbers. And I know this might be a stretch, but I really hate, hate Ruben Randall. Every time it seems Eli is targeting him, it ends up being intercepted, or he somehow uh, fucks up the route. Or I think just the, the departure of Randall, as amazing as that may be, is the single biggest the biggest improvement to their offense. And I really think and there's a lot of optimism among Giants fans that they're going to have a great offensive season. I, I I don't know anyone who's predicting them to be outside of the top 10 or 15 offenses in the league.
0: I do think, first of all, don't you think Gi- the Giants uh, fans are, like, as optimistic a bunch as any fandom in the NFL?
4: They usually are. Um, and that that usually, bl- that usually ends up, I have a rule of thumb, kind of, that every conversation about football in New York ends up in a conversation about whether Eli Manning's elite. That, that's how they all end. One way or another, you get there. Uh, Giants fans, obviously, uh, love, love hyping him up. I'm, I'm more realistic about that. But um, yeah, we're a pretty rosy bunch.
0: I mean, Chester's ragging on Eli, but his completion percentage was great. His yards per uh, completion was worse
2: than the year before. It was worse than the year before. Oh, the year, before. The year, before. The year before, yeah.
0: before was the best of his career, though.
2: Yeah, because he's thinking dunking, and yet it's still getting worse. Again, it's, his passes were shorter last year than they've ever been. By dramatic, his average depth of target in 2014 was 9.2. Well, last year was 8.1. May, That's maybe, a drop his, of maybe his yards.
0: receivers are doing you know some magic, but he.
4: Well, obviously, one of them is. I think the single biggest reason for optimism is it's got to be the division. You just heard about the Dallas defense a second ago, and it wasn't uh, too bright. No one's liking the Eagles this year for obvious reasons. And the Redskins, like, the, does Kirk Cousins scare you? I know he had a great season last year, and I'm not taking anything away from that. But, I mean, you're not scared of the guy. You, you, you could let. They're the, they're the Redskins, or sorry, the Washington football team. You know, I, there's no one that really worries me out there.
0: I'm scared of Kirk Cousins. You are? I don't know. It seems pretty scary. <laughs> what about who? who's going to be the running back for this team?
4: I think Rashad Jennings is a little underrated. He He's he's perfectly capable of being the lead running back for a team. And um, if it was Coughlin, it would certainly be him given his conservatism. But with McAdoo, I have no idea. There's probably like Three or four names that wouldn't shock me. Andre Williams, who's, who's awful, but they seem to like him. Uh, they drafted Paul Perkins, um, who shows promise. Uh, he's looked good in training camp. They still have a couple of other guys. Uh, Shane Vereen is not going to really run the ball, but he's there as an asset. And I think Bobby Rainey is still on the roster, who he's okay.
2: All right, let's talk about the offensive line for a second. The interior of the line looks like it's pretty good. The tackles, last year, Eric Flowers, granted, he was a rookie so he could improve, but he was the worst NFL tackle, left or right tackle, in the entire NFL. Again, he's a rookie. Maybe he improves a little bit. On the right side, of course, you have Marshall Newhouse, who was the sixth worst tackle in the NFL and has been below average in all five of his seasons. So what's going to happen? I mean, do you see any room for improvement on this offensive line? Because that's really going to impact, A, if, if Eli can have time to throw the ball downfield to Beckham Jr., and B, if they can get any kind of running game.
4: I don't really expect any improvement, um, but if we get what we had last year, we should still be okay. The only hope for improvement is really Flowers, and that would—I don't think that would shock anyone um, if he learned something over his first year in the league and was able to apply that this year. Um, but even with even with the the line that they have, Eli is capable of doing an okay job. Um, obviously, I like their receivers, so. Um, usually if he just has to put in the area and, and Beckham will get it and hopefully uh, Sterling Shepard turns into to an, another weapon down the field. So even with slight improvement to the offensive line, I'll be okay and I don't expect um, anything really drastic to change. Newhouse is going to be what he's been and what he's always been and that's pretty, pretty bad. By the way, I did want to mention when you, were, when you were running through the list of reasons to hate the Giants, I don't know if you caught their kicker was suspended a game for domestic oh, violence. Oh, I was going to
0: mention it. Yeah, she's accusing him of hitting him over 20 times. So, you, your special team's leading the league in something, finally.
4: <laughs> there you go. So, that's another, another reason. But I can't believe you think the Eagles are, are the least hated. They're the Eagles. I mean, their fans are, are known to be the biggest assholes in the league. So.
2: But is that, is that, is that Eagles in particular or just Philly in general?
4: Uh, Philly, but if you've ever been to Philly, they they, don't, they chant eagles yeah, yeah. at they chant eagles at Philly's games. They're all yeah. over the no, place. No, I know.
0: By the way, still the most likable Josh Brown. I know I, I, they came late.
4: <laughs> <laughs> I think I know who you refer to.
2: <laughs> I just I sympathize with the Eagles because they're sort of like the Vikings or in basketball like the Jazz or the Suns or like the pre two thousand four Red Sox. They're a team that has been good for so long and has made the playoffs so many times and hasn't come through. So I have a little sympathy there. Um, you know, I haven't got to hate them winning a title like I have for every other team in this division. Let's jump to the defense. The Giants seem sort of similar to the Cowboys in that they're heavy on the offense, weak on the defense. The defense isn't as bad as, as Dallas is. First of all, do you like the, uh, the draft pick of Eli Apple and more importantly, the draft pick of Eli Apple's amazing uh, Twitter mom?
4: Uh, I did not catch the Twitter mom story. So maybe you'll fill me in. But as far as the pick, I, I didn't really like it. Um, I was hoping for an offensive line pick, and I think, I think they were planning on that, and there was some gamesmanship, and a team found out. I can't remember the specifics, but a team found out that they wanted someone and, and jumped at, and made a trade ahead and, to get him. So it was, it was, it was disappointing, but um, I don't think it hurts to have another cornerback. Um, and, and his name seems to fit if, if we want something to fall back on.
2: Yeah, I hope that didn't impact their decision.
4: No, hopefully not.
2: And what about the front seven? They spent a lot on free agents, obviously, Olivia Vernon, Damon Harrison. Usually, when you invest heavily in free agents, it doesn't work out well for you?
4: Well, that may be the case, but on paper, there's really nothing to complain about. I mean, who doesn't want Vernon on the line um, with Damon Harrison, who... I think he's called Snacks. Uh, I'm not. I'm not. Yeah, he's called Snacks. Can I
0: can I make a case why Damon Harrison's going to be a bust?
4: Sure.
0: Okay. he Can't play against the pass, so he's he's off the field. You know, it, traditionally first and second down, but in the modern NFL, it's closer to first down. He's on the field and then he's going off. The guy who put up similar numbers to him last year, Kenrick Ellis, signed with the Giants for much less money and didn't even make the team. I don't think. I think he ended up on the Vikings. Uh, maybe vice versa. But not—he was also like the second best run defender in the NFL for the Jets. Whoever plays between, uh, you know, Wilkerson and Richardson and, and now Leonard Williams is automatically going to have the best, you know, run defense stats in the NFL because there's no offensive lineman near them. So they're just they're just tackling the running back when it comes to them. So that to me, that's an insane amount of money that's not going to pay off.
4: It's it's definitely too much money, but um, that's that's not going to hurt us this year. I don't think they were going to really put that money. Anywhere, anywhere else useful? I mean, maybe they would, but who knows? But, but it's just from a, a stats perspective. I mean, he's kind of almost a luxury on that line. It's it's really shaping up to be, on paper, one of the best in football. So we have we have JPP and and Vernon, and then Jonathan Hankins and Harrison. If if one guy doesn't pan out, and and he should be fine, even even if he's overpriced, I think we could live with that.
2: All right, let's jump to the E A G L E S Eagles. Shamir... <laughs> I, I feel bad making fun of you because I honestly feel like like i 'm talking to somebody in one thousand nine hundred and eighty four who within the same speech, can be tricked into you know completely uh, supporting uh, wars against contradictory uh, uh, enemies within the, within the context of a single paragraph, as we said, Shamir, you were all in on Chip Kelly last year, one hundred percent. And and now the Eagles went as opposite as they possibly could from Chip Kelly. They're bringing Doug Peterson, who's like the Andy Reid backup. They got they they paid a premium to get rid of every single guy that that Chip Kelly brought in. They made multiple trades and gave up huge assets to get a quarterback who they say isn't even even if he was healthy, isn't supposed to be active this year. So tell us, have you bought into this?
1: Well, I, I don't know what they gave up to get rid of the, the salary. They they basically dumped the salary, but they didn't really give up a lot to get rid of it.
2: They gave a draft pick. Up, they gave, gave up, Kiko, the draft pick up Kiko, the Dolphins. Kiko Alonso.
1: They gave up Kiko Alonso. That's it.
2: All right. So, uh, Shamir, are you in yes. on the Eagles' offseason moves?
1: I mean, I like a lot of the moves. I don't know if this is a, uh, a team that's ready to compete for a Super Bowl yet, but I'm I'm a fan of a lot of the moves. I think that, you know, taking a step back and realizing, you know, that a lot of what Chip Kelly had done was pretty much terrible, I guess to say the least, and kind of going back to basics is uh, it's a good thing. It's not. You know, they didn't make any uh, anything flashy. They didn't go crazy. They didn't overpay anybody. They didn't, you know, uh, sign, uh, like, uh, Albert Haynesworth or one of these, you know, massive, stupid contracts. They did things pretty conservatively, and then it kind of followed the trend the whole offseason, and they went a little buck wild with the Carson Wentz trade. But um, I think overall I'm happy with the moves. Uh, they added guys like Barrett Brooks, who's, a, you know, an off, you know, offensive lineman. From Houston, who was an under-the-radar you know, player, an ascending player. A guy, Rodney McLeod from the St. Louis Rams, also an ascending player. You know, small under-the-radar moves to help the roster. Um, but one of the biggest off seasons acquisitions was Jim Schwartz. Um, you know, he's probably the biggest name they've even added to the roster this season. He's an, a, an established defensive co- coach uh, with a reputation of, you know, turning uh, undervalued or underutilized players, you know, at various stops and turning them into good pass rushers. So, you know, they had they have some good pieces on the roster. Um, they're, they're definitely not a, you know, a train wreck of a team on both sides of the ball. I think they're mediocre on both sides of the ball and slightly above average on, on defense. Um, they do not have any real playmakers on offense to speak of, no. but I think they have, but they think they have a bunch of, I think they have a bunch of very, very, very solid players on defense. And, you know, the, I think the, um, you know, historically, I guess, under Chip Kelly, they were more of an offensive-minded team. I think this year they're going to be, you know, a little bit better on defense than they are on offense. And, you know, maybe the offense could surprise us. I mean, I'm not, you know, uh, just commenting on what A.B. said. Um, we now have Reuben Randall, so I guess that could also, you know, hurt our offense.
0: I mean, I'm looking at this team. Uh, you said there aren't a lot of, you know, weapons offensively. Like, if I'm a defensive coordinator and I'm facing the Eagles that week, first of all, I don't know who your quarterback is, but even past that, I mean, who am I – who am I, you know, game planning against like Ryan Matthews, uh, Darren Sproles? Well, I mean, it's not like Darren Sproles hasn't. No, Sproles is great, but he's a, a 33 a year old running back. He's the oldest running back in the NFL.
1: Yeah, he, he he's he's very he he is hard to game plan for. I mean, Ryan Matthews went healthy. There's nothing there's no negatives to his game. I just question is going to be on the field. Uh, he's explosive. He's big and he's strong, but you can't really rely on him over 16 games. Um, but if you look at Doug Peterson and you look at where he's been and you look at what he's produced over the, you know, the last couple of years, his claim to fame, I guess, as the offensive coordinator or as a co-offensive coordinator in Kansas City was getting the ground game with Jamal Charles going and producing a lot of explosive plays with uh, Travis Kelsey at a tight end position.
0: Is the is the offensive line good enough to sort of facilitate that sort of
1: thing? I don't know. That's a great question because Lane Johnson was just suspended. mm mm-hmm. Uh, Travis Kelsey had a horrific horrific season last year and we're looking for a bounce back from him under a different scheme. Um they added the guy Brooks from Houston who is a big a big body, should be moving in an interior alignment. Uh, Jason Peters is probably good for one more quasi elite season. Um but without Lane Johnson, you know, you never know. Um, but manufacturing running lanes, you know, is is easier said than done you know the running backs have to hit the right holes there's a lot of factors that go into it you know chip kelly's offense was so simple last year that you know when the running back was offset right you know they were running right if it was offset left they knew they left. it was very hard to it was very easy to game plan against them i guess if you go back to a more traditional offense they can probably find ways to get the ball in space to their playmakers um, and they have three good or two good tight ends on this team and you know, based on what he did with Travis Kelsey last year, I'm pretty optimistic that Zach Ertz and Brent Selick will be the focal points of this team. Um, and then Jordan Matthews is still on the roster. Mm-hmm. He's, you know, he's had a couple of good s- seasons under Chip Kelly. He's still an ascending player. Um, but beyond Jordan Matthews to the wide receiver position, you know, you know, you can pick a name out of a hat.
0: I, I spent a lot of money on Nelson Aguilar in, uh, in some fantasy leagues last year. Needless to say, it did not pay off. Now, yeah. Switching to defense.
2: Well, hold on. Before we switch to defense, Shamir, you of course remember your bold proclamation that you made on last year's preview podcast about the offense,
1: the Sam Bradford prediction, or the Eagles' uh, offensive output production, In the 500 points. Well, I was I was really jazzed after that pre- third <laughs> preseason
0: game. Yeah, that's the bet. We should have every team on right after their their team wins like a preseason game against another team's fourth stringers. <laughs>
1: I also remember predicting Cam Newton was going to have a train wreck of a season, so glad, thanks
0: for having me back. You should really compile the best of the predictions this year. I mean, it would have started with me picking the Dolphins to win the Super Bowl last season, so I can't really make fun. (laughs) But yeah, on defense, Shamir, I kind of like the front seven. Talk to me about the front seven.
1: Well, I'll start with Fletcher Cox. Fletcher Cox is one of the most underrated, underknown, known under-respected players in the he's league. 25. He's 25.
0: I would have guessed he's like 33.
1: He, he's got that old man look, but he's an extremely, extremely disruptive player. He's strong against the run, strong against the pass, and what every article that you read about him has been saying is that he was miscast in a three as a 3-4 nose tackle, and he's really going to thrive under a 4-3 in Jim Schwartz. Um, so, it, given the numbers he put up in a, at a position in a three-four, uh, people are expecting tremendous things from him. And you look at guys like Brandon Graham and Vinnie Curry, both drafted by the Andy Reid era, both drafted as four-three ends, also been playing out of position, and both guys were given large contracts the last couple of years to you know, based on where the team believes that they could be, you know, as as elite pass rushers. Um, Connor Barwin now has the inverse of those players, where he's now miscast as a four-three end, but he's still a very dynamic pass rusher, and he's very good at um, playing a coverage. Um, and they um, they still have depth, you know, on the line. They have this guy. They have um, <sighs> Benny Logan, who's a big run stuffer, big big in the middle, and they have uh, they have some other players that have been there for a while. Um, but their you know their weakness is still. There's some unknowns in the linebacker core. Nigel Bradham's the guy they brought in who has a history with Jim Schwartz, and um, Jordan Hicks is a second-year player who was actually drafted as a four-three as linebacker, as a three-four linebacker. Now he's shifting. So there's a lot of moving parts because they're shifting from a three-four to a four-three. So you know, it's they a have... really
0: young team, right? The team looks young all the way around, basically, except for the offensive line, basically.
1: Yeah. Well, Leotis McKelvin's a starter. He's a little bit old. Uh, Malcolm Jenkins is, is a little bit older. But outside of those guys. Uh, they are a pretty young team. They've all been, you know, because obviously Chip Kelly got rid of all the all of the the legacy players on the roster. And he right. you're talking built...
0: about McKelvin and Jenkins. Like, the, to me, the the secondary is is a major problem. I don't know. I don't know like who you guys are stopping with 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 the names I'm seeing.
1: I view Malcolm Jenkins and Rodley McLeod as the two above-average players in the secondary, and the rest is replacement-level players across the board.
2: Okay, but Pro Football Focus loves their secondary. thinks it's the 12th best in the league.
0: Nah, I'm not buying it.
2: Their problem is their problem is their linebackers. They have the worst linebackers in the NFL. Michael Kendricks was literally the worst linebacker in the
0: NFL last year in coverage. Yeah.
1: yeah, you can you can probably pin I think four of Jordan Reed's touchdowns last year on Michael Kendricks. You know we don't
0: usually talk about special teams, but breaking news uh, during this podcast: your uh, podcast. your kicker yes. has a concussion that he sustained yes. during warmups when a punt hit him in the head. Let's
1: let's categorize him as one of the two kickers fighting for the kicker job. So I wouldn't. uh, wouldn't
0: Uh, That was a great punt by your place kicker Cody Parkey, to knock uh, Caleb Sturgis out.
2: Wait, so the the Giants' kicker is a domestic abuser. The the Eagles' kicker. What what about the Cowboys' kicker, Jordan? What's he up to?
3: He's Uh, Dan Bailey.
2: Um, hasn't gotten hasn't gotten in the
3: news this week yet. No, I think he's I think he's good. I haven't heard anything. Uh, so I think
0: I think we're good on that front.
2: All right. Akiva, do we talk about the Washington football team or, you know, we're boycotting their guests. We're boycotting the whole discussion about them all together. Well, here's the thing. I know
0: everyone knows that you have OCD and there's no way we're not going to have we're going to have 31 fans on and you're going to let it slide. So I know we're going to have some Redskins fan on at some point. Am I wrong?
2: Well, I'm also a man of principle, though. And in this era of Donald Trump, don't we have to speak out against?
0: Yeah, but you might not have. The, you, OK, I mean, what do you want to say about the Redskins?
2: I mean, doesn't it all depend on Kirk Cousins, really?
0: All right, fine. So the, the segment we, we're doing now is called Best in the Division. I'm going to ask you, we'll go through quarterback and coach and a few other positions, and uh, we'll, get, we'll see if we have a consensus for who's the best in the division. Let's start with Shamir. Shamir, who's the best quarterback in the NFC East? When healthy, Romo. Not Eli? No. Okay. What about you, uh, uh, Jordan?
3: Uh, It's funny. I was going to say Eli, but uh, yeah, I mean, unhealthy. I mean, I think you do. I think you got to say Romo, but I think overall, um, you know, I I think we got to go if just in terms of looking at the range of outcomes, uh, I think Romo because of the, you know, the fact that he's so injury prone, I think we got to say Eli. I think Eli is the safest bet to have. You know, pretty, pretty solid year. Romo, I think, certainly could have a better year. Cousins maybe could, too, but I, I don't know. Cousins, I'm just not buying it. I'm really yeah. not buying it. And Bradford, Wentz, whoever the quarterback is for the Eagles. Right, so, A.B.,
0: break the tie. Who's the best QB in the division?
4: Well, obviously, Eli. I mean, but in, in seriousness, <laughs> um, I think being on the field is, is a pretty important— It's easy to say one healthy, but— No, I
0: agree. Obviously, right, for taking, taking him for a season where you could rely on Eli, who's missed zero games in his career— uh versus Romo who you know who's basically missed two most of two seasons recently it's hard to compare
4: right
2: all
0: right i'm sh- i'm shocked
2: i didn't even think that was a debate akiva are you also on team
0: not team romo uh the best offense overall in the division let's go back uh ab uh, it, i mean it it's pretty clearly competition between new york and dallas just like the qb thing who is the best offense in the division
4: it, it really all comes down to romo so it's hard to say but you know given given the injury risk i, I would take the giants
1: I'm a, I'm actually not ruling out the Redskins. They have a lot of weapons on offense, a lot. Wow, I wasn't expecting that coming.
3: What, what's what are the Redskins going to do with running back though? I mean, Matt. Jo- well, I, I really have
0: no faith at all in Matt Jones. Back. Like, who's the best running back?
1: Well, the Cowboys have Ezekiel yeah, Elliott, if he, if so I think that's field, that's yeah. locked down. Jordan Reed is a top five NFL tight end. Deshaun Jackson, Pierre Garcon, the draft pick they got at wide receiver. Their offensive Garcon, line?
0: Well, Garcon is like 800 years old.
3: Garcon is yeah. done. Jackson is overrated. I think jo- Josh Doxson's got a lot of potential, but uh, Jordan Reed is phenomenal, but uh, I-, I don't know. I mean, that running game scares me a little bit. Is that offensive line that great either? I, don't, I wouldn't say the Redskins. I, I would say it's between the Giants or the Cowboys, in my opinion. The
1: Giants. I, I, did, I didn't say it was the Redskins. I just don't think it's a two-man question, a two-team question. Okay,
0: fair enough. But everyone agrees that the Eagles are not in that question. Unfortunately not. (laughs) All right. Well, uh, What about defense? This is such an offensive division traditionally, traditionally recently, not historically. And I I don't even know where to go with best defense. I mean, I guess Washington, but uh, let me ask you guys because that's what we're supposed to do. Um, All right. Jordan, who is the best defense in the NFC East?
3: Oh, geez. Yeah, that's hard. Um, I I guess the the Redskins. uh, I mean, the Eagles, uh, you know, I've it's hard. I, I really, uh, honestly, they're all pretty, I, I know the, the Cowboys certainly know, um, and the Giants, I mean, they've made some additions, but I still probably would say no. So yeah, I'll, I'll go with the Redskins.
1: Yeah, what about you, Shamir? Yeah, Bash- Bashard Breeland and Josh Norman, that's all you got to say in that division.
0: Yeah, I, th- I do think Breeland's going to have a big star's turn this year also, I agree. Uh, and A.B.?
4: Um, from watching the games, I think I'd also lean towards Washington, although I know the advanced stats, they really like the Eagles. Uh, they They weren't flashy last year, but... I've I've heard that they they put on uh they put up good numbers. All
0: right, uh, best coach in the division. Uh, that's an interesting one, I guess. Akiva, can I ask you this? Yes. When we
2: do our coach rankings, yes, you actually love McAdoo, but otherwise, to me, all four coaches would be in the bottom
0: twelve. Um. Okay. Well, let's ask them, and then we'll then we'll go back because that they're like okay. the talent here. You know, we're just we're just like the <laughs> schlubs. <laughs> Jordan, who is the best coach in the NFC East?
3: Oh, geez, that's hard. Um, um, oh, man, I don't even. I, yeah, like they're all pretty mediocre. Uh, I guess we haven't really seen much of Peterson. I mean, uh, I, I guess I kind of I think I, I'm kind of buying Ben McAdoo. I am. I think that he's got she's shown some promise. I think that offense is going to be solid this year. So uh, I'll say Ben McAdoo just because I, I don't really have a ton of faith in anyone else. What about
0: you,
1: Shamir? This is like a harder question than Trump or Hillary. I
0: mean. Is that a, is that a hard question?
1: Okay, yeah. I Whatever. Wow. Different podcast.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I, listen, Ben McAdoo hasn't been the head coach. Neither has Doug Peterson. Jay Gruden has turned a terrible team into a respectable team. And just by process of elimination, I give, it, I give him the, the nod.
0: Yeah, I mean, Jay Gruden has that upside, right? We don't really know like what he's totally capable. But of.
1: But this team was a train wreck, and they're they seem like they're on the right track. So I think he's a big part of that.
0: Yeah, but what if they go six and ten this year? Then his record is like four, twelve, nine, and seven, six and ten, and he's automatically fired. Of
1: course, okay, but to, to, but J- Jason Garrett, I, I mean, he, he's he's proven nothing to to me at least, and okay, I think I think again terrible
0: terrible choices. Okay. If, let me ask, let me ask you a question. Uh, let me ask actually, Jordan, Jordan, if Jason Garrett. What does Jason Garrett have to do to keep his job this year?
3: Uh, he doesn't have to do anything because it's been proven that he does nothing <laughs> year time and time again. I mean, and if they go six Jerry and ten, brings it back. back,
0: keeping his job. I think you agree with that.
3: Um, uh, if they go six and ten without Romo, without, uh, with uh, yeah, without Romo, I think he might be able to squeak by. Because here is the thing with with Garrett is that. Jerry Jones has invested all this time in Garrett, and he could have fired him multiple times. Right, but that doesn't,
0: you know, pass... Like, he's still going to fire him if they're bad. No,
3: but I mean, I don't know. Like, for whatever reason, Jerry loves him, so... Um. Uh, yeah, I guess. I guess if it's six and ten, he'll get fired. But um, I, even if like Romo gets injured and they could somehow pull out like seven and nine or something like that, mm-hmm. I, I think he'll get a pass. I really do. I think Jerry Jones is fine with mediocrity, and i I, I don't I don't get it. But uh, he, that's kind of just based on what he's done before. I think that's
4: kind of the route he'd go in.
0: A.B., who's the best coach in the division? I,
4: I I would be hopeful that it's McAdoo, but given that he hasn't put a product on the field yet, I'm also going to have to say Gruden.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I I hear what you're saying, Chester. I'd, I think if we do rankings, which hopefully will before the season, all, none of these guys would probably be in the top 15 for sure. And it, it would be tough to put someone in the top 20, but possible.
4: I think
2: we should wait a little bit to do our rankings. Last year, we did our rankings after week six. And so the Falcons... Oh, I wanted to do
1: them before Falcons. the season. I, I think a, I think a coach that can win with Kirk Cousins has got to be better than
0: more than the top right, 15. Right, yeah, no, definitely. The job Jay Gruden did last well, year was sensational, he, I, I agree. mean, they went
2: 9-7 and seven in the worst division in football. Let's not go crazy here. I
0: mean, someone's got to win the games, so anyone could have won that, the division.
2: Yeah, and they won nine of them against the worst division in football. That's not that impressive.
0: All right, well, he beat Coughlin, he beat Garrett, and he beat uh, Chip Kelly. Three, uh, you know, uh, geniuses of the profession. Uh <laughs> Uh, are you ready for the roster game, Chester? Let's go. All right, we'll, we'll do an abbreviated version of the roster game. Uh, I'm going to ask you one player on, uh, on the team you root for, and you just tell me everything you know about him. He might be a very famous player. He won't be. He'll actually be a very anonymous player.
2: He'll probably be a guy who's in training camp and doesn't have a number on the back of his jersey.
0: No, I'll give you someone who has a number, because I feel like those guys never. And there's a prize for everyone who knows their anonymous player uh, the best. Uh, AB, who's Brad Bars?
4: Brad Bars. I've definitely heard the name. Um, I feel like he does have a chance of making the team. Uh, I think he's a defensive player. That sounds like the language you use while you quickly Google him. No 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 no. No, listen,
0: we have a we have a very strict no Googling policy. Which <laughs> he's a defensive didn't, I didn't think about last year. I'm I feel gonna like s- no one Googled last year and now everyone's cheating this year.
4: I'm going to say he's a defensive player on the bubble, but I, I can't really uh, get much closer than that.
0: Okay, all right, fine. Um okay, Shamir. Who is uh John DePama? I thought I knew everyone on the roster. Wow. No, oh, no. He's the he's the long he's the long snapper. So I, we, we have a no long snapper. Process, so I'm going to give you somebody. <laughs> Why else. the guy
1: from America's right, Got it? Talent's The long snapper. That's the. Uh...
0: I don't even know who you're talking about. Really? Okay. Is there a guy on America's Got Talent on the Eagles?
3: From the Jets? No, the Eagles the, long. Not the Jets. Is it the, 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 the Eagles? The Eagles long
0: right?
1: snapper is like in the finals of America's Got Talent. Oh, really? A,
0: he's I, not one of those. He's not one of the orthodox guys who does the the, the beatboxing. <laughs> no. No, no. Watch America's Got Talent. All right, uh, who's Denzel Rice, Shamir? Denzel Rice, is a Great name. he's a corner. I believe
1: he was on the practice squad last year. Uh, he, he may have been on the 53 at some point. Uh, he has dreadlocks. He's flashed a lot in training camp. I haven't seen him do anything in the first couple of preseason games. Um, he I would say he's one of these guys who may make the roster as a special teams player or as a fifth or sixth corner. Um, but, mm-hmm. you know, I think he's a bigger body, if I remember correctly. Big dreadlocks. Probably go probably like over six feet, big guy. Okay. I think he went to a a small college. I don't remember somewhere. I I don't know exactly somewhere in in the in the
0: in the the SEC maybe. Chester, you have to answer for the um, you have to answer for the Redskins. (laughs) (laughs) Oh come on! Who is Willie (laughs) Jefferson? I don't think I could name probably like five starters on the Redskins. But there's a guy. You know, I I think like to think like I've heard of every veteran in the NFL. There's a guy, David Bruton Jr., there's safety. It says he's in his eighth year in the NFL, and he's from Notre Dame, and I watch a lot of Notre Dame games. I don't know who that guy is on the Redskins. Uh, Jordan, you ready for okay. your, uh, your question? i got to get you a good one here. Uh, okay. All right. Uh, who's Joe Looney? Joe Looney. Uh, ooh. Very dear to your heart as a Canadian.
3: Is he Canadian? Okay, offensive. No, line? no. I
0: just mean I just meant that the Looney. Sorry.
3: Oh, Looney. I see. <laughs> okay, I was gonna say I didn't know. I knew that Argent Calhoun's a guy who's a Canadian. Who I thought that was maybe a direction you were gonna go in, but uh, Joe Looney. Yeah, no, that off- would f- that would
0: imply I like spent time preparing. I would have done. Something like that. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh
3: that's all I know. I'm pretty sure offensive line and name yeah. sounds vaguely familiar, and yeah, that's So all Hopefully, you don't
0: see him this year. I guess he's an offensive. Yeah,
3: guy. yeah, I, yeah. I don't think we will see him, especially considering we've got Ronald Leary as well, and he's not even starting.
0: Uh, yeah, and not to mention the highway robbery of Lil Collins, which is like a whole other podcast, right? How did nobody sign that guy? It's really, it's still upsetting. It's ridiculous. And the the bigger question is how the Patriots not get him, honestly, because they get all those guys. Yeah, exactly. My my guess is that Collins grew up as a Cowboys fan. I think his agent just steered him there.
1: Yeah,
3: yeah. I, f- I guess I, I have no idea. I was actually uh, I, w- I was sequestered away from society when all this was when all that went down. So uh, my I, I'm the wrong guy <laughs> to ask when uh, he, he was in jail. If everyone's happened. not listening,
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> sequestered away in society. That's a nice way of saying like. I, yes, exactly. I right. did I did four to six years on a uh, attempted homicide. <laughs>
2: Okay, so now let's jump into the schedules. As you guys know, if you've been listening to our podcast this year, unlike last year, we're not asking you to predict your own team schedule because everybody predicts their team to go 12 and 4 and it's boring. This year we are having your rival pick your schedule. So how about Jordan? We'll have you do Washington because uh, you guys were the preseason division favorites last year and you ended up in last Ends up in first. So let's see if you can reverse that this year. So, all right. So, Jordan, yeah. Week one, the Washington professional football team starts in the early Monday nighter at home against the Pittsburgh Steelers without Le'Veon Bell in that game. <laughs> uh, I'm going to give me give me Pittsburgh. OK, so they start 0 one and then week two, they're at home again against the Cowboys, your beloved Cowboys. Uh, I'm going
3: to say they win that game.
2: That game in Washington, that was the crazy uh, s- s- Sunday nighter last year, right?
3: Yes, that's right. It was. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I almost got divorced over that game. I was, <laughs> I was in New Orleans with my wife, and we were at some music club, and like the bathroom line was super long, so I told her I was going to leave to go somewhere else to go to the bathroom. And and that really was my intent. But then when I got to the bathroom or like the other place where I was waiting for the bathroom, I saw like the last two minutes of that game, which obviously ended up taking like half an hour. <laughs> and so she kept texting me, where are you? Where are you? Where are you? And I looked at the clock and I said to her, I'll be there in 30 seconds. And I said this for half an hour. And suffice to say that the, the night did not end well for me uh, or or for you.
3: <laughs> no, definitely not. <laughs> yeah.
2: And, and th- so this year you expect the same. All right. So they get uh, they're up to one on one. And then in week three, they go to face the Giants in New York. Uh ooh I'll say in New York I'll t- I'll take the Giants in that one. All right, and then week 4 they come home and they get to play the beloved Browns, everyone's favorite team to play at home. Yeah, give me year. give me give me Washington. All right, 2 and 2 at Baltimore. Give me Baltimore. Okay, and then they come home and face the Eagles. I'll say they beat the Eagles in that game. Okay, so 3 and 3, then they go on the road to face the Lions. Uh ooh on turf, yeah, I'll, I'll say I'll say that they beat Detroit. All right, that's a big win because the next week they're playing Cincinnati in London. Ooh,
3: Cincinnati in London. So they're going from the road. Okay, I'll say they lose in London.
2: Okay, so they're four and four. They have the bye week, obviously, after London, and then uh, they start their second half. Their second half is brutal. The, uh, or the next four games, anyways. They start out. They're playing the Vikings in Week Ten. Yeah, I'll give them a loss in that one. And then they face the Packers on Sunday night football in week 11. Give them another loss. And then they play. Uh, th- so they play Sunday night and then they play Thursday three days uh, on three days rest relatively early. The afternoon game against the Cowboys in Dallas on Thanksgiving.
3: Ooh, That's a rough game. Uh, give me the Cowboys in that one.
2: And then the next week they go at Arizona. Oh, my gosh. That is brutal. Give, give me the Cardinals. So they go from four and four to four and eight. That's a really tough run, and then it gets easier in December, um, a little bit. But it might be too late. They go at the Eagles in week fourteen. Yeah, I'll give give me that one. Okay, so they're going to sweep the Eagles. You think? Uh, then they come home to face Carolina on Monday Night Football. So not that much easier. Right? Yeah, I'll
3: say they lose that game.
2: Okay, so they're five and nine. They're obviously their season's over. Uh, they go at Chicago on Christmas Eve. They beat Chicago. All right, six and nine, and now they're just hurting their draft position. And then at week seventeen, they face the Giants at home. I'll say they lose that one. All right. Who should do the Cowboys? How about uh, who hates the Cowboys more, Shamir or Aby?
4: I hate the Eagles more, probably. So okay.
2: All right. Okay, Shamir. Shamir,
4: I don't think
1: I don't think it's possible for anybody to hate the Cowboys more than I do.
2: Okay.
4: So we'll let you pick the Cowboys' schedule. (laughs)
1: schedule.
2: Week one, the Cowboys are at home against the Giants. Cowboy win. Okay. uh, Week two, they go at Washington. Washington win. Okay. Week three, they're home against Chicago. Cowboy win. Okay. Week four, they're at San Francisco. Cowboy win. All right. Three and one. Nothing's got a bit tougher. They face the Bengals in week five at home.
4: It's not life or death. I'm going to give that to
2: the Cowboys. All. Oh, big win. Big win. This is before Romo gets hurt. Yeah. Yeah. So four and one, and then they go at Green Bay the next week. Loss. Okay. So four and two. Then they have the bye. Coming out of the bye, they face your Eagles on Sunday night football at home. At home. Yeah. Cowboy win. All right. Five and two. Then they go at Cleveland. Win. Six and two. Wow. After four wins last year. And then uh, at Pittsburgh in week 10. Ten. Loss. All right, and then at home against Baltimore, they gotta kind of lose an easy one somewhere. I'll get, I'm gonna say it's a loss. Okay, they're still six and four, and then they are at home against Washington the next week.
1: At home against Washington, that's a win.
2: Yeah, that's that's the one on Thanksgiving. So they're seven and four, and then they play, they play the next Thursday as well against the Vikings in Minnesota. Loss. Okay, and then at New York on Sunday Night Football the next week. Loss. Okay, so they go from seven and four to seven and six. Yeah, they're they're gonna. They're, most of these NFC East teams split the home roads. All right, uh, now the uh, the end of the schedule is relatively easy. They face Tampa Bay at home in week fifteen. It's probably a win. I mean, right. Tampa Bay. Is, Tampa Bay could be good though. Yeah. Yep, that's yep. A... Okay, so they're eight and six, and then so the next week. So Christmas is on Sunday this year. Most of the games are on Saturday. There's two yep. games on Sunday, and then they're playing Monday night against the Lions at home. That's a good. That's a tough one.
1: I don't know what the lines are going to be this year. I'll give that a Cowboy win also.
2: Okay, so that puts them at nine and six in pretty good position, probably given this division. Uh, in uh, week seventeen, they're at the Eagles. Uh, that's a loss. I, I think I think all these teams split. I don't think anybody. I don't think there's
1: any sweeps in the NFC East. There hasn't been a sweep in a while.
2: All right, so Dallas starts 6-2. and two, They cool down. They finish 9-7. and seven. Jordan, how would you feel about a prediction of 9-7 and seven for your Cowboys? Yeah,
3: I, I went through the Cowboys schedule, and I kind of looked at all the games, and that's, that's about what I had, 9-7, and 10-6. Um, so, you know, in this division, I think that's prob- that could be good enough to make the playoffs. So, um, you know, if Romo stays healthy, I think that's probably where fi- they'll finish. If he's not, then uh, it'll be significantly worse than that.
2: All right, A.B., you said that you hate the Giants the most. Is that right? Or the Eagles the most, excuse me.
4: Yeah, that's right.
2: Okay, so uh, week one, your uh, hated Philadelphia Eagles are at home against Cleveland.
4: I think I'll give that one to them.
2: Okay, week two, uh, Monday Night Football at Chicago. Ooh, that's a terrible game on Monday Night Football.
4: Monday Night Football hasn't been good in in recent times. Um, Yeah, but uh, Philly at Chicago, what's the hope?
2: I mean, I guess it's early enough that it's not like either one is going to be like 5 and 10 yet, but...
4: Yeah, I think Bradford's still in the game at this point, still on the field at this point. Um, I think uh, Akiva mentioned earlier that Romo is the most injury-prone quarterback in the league, but we certainly have a challenger in Bradford, but I'll give him the win.
2: Also, oh, 2-0 start for the Eagles uh, in the Doug Peterson era, and then they come home in week three to face the Steelers. Can they go 3-0 heading into their early bye?
4: No, they cannot.
2: Oh, so they, they lose a battle at Pennsylvania. 2-1 still, not bad. Then they, uh, coming off the bye, they're at Detroit. I'll give them a loss.
4: I think and Stafford looked at good at the second half of last year.
2: Okay, and then they're at Washington the next week.
4: Yeah, I think I think that's a loss on the road.
2: Okay, and then they face the Vikings at home the next week.
4: Vikings are tough. Um, at this point, probably their the Eagles' offense is falling apart. Bradford, they they have um, he's he's probably gone at this point. I I don't think they could beat the Vikings.
2: They go from two and zero to two and four, and this losing streak could continue because the next week they're facing the Cowboys on Sunday Night Football.
4: Yeah, again on the road, I'll give them another loss. I don't think this season's gonna go that well.
2: All right, and the next week, they're at the Giants.
4: This one's gonna be close, um, but yeah, I think the Giants pull it out in one of those Eli Manning classic fourth and fourth quarter comebacks.
2: All right, so they started two and zero. Now they're two and six. They're at home against Atlanta the next week.
4: Yeah, they they could probably handle the Falcons at home.
2: Okay, and they need to because the rest of the schedule gets really tough. They're 3-6. and six. The next week they face at Seattle.
4: Yeah, that's a loss.
2: And then the next week, Monday Night Football against the Packers at home. I f- I'll be at that game.
4: Oh, nice. I feel like they could play with the Packers, but I don't think they could pull it out. So I'm going to give them a loss.
2: All right, so they're stuck at three wins. Then they're at Cincinnati the next week as we're into December.
4: Wow, this is a rough patch. Uh, I think they're losing yeah. this one too.
2: They are 3-9 and nine now.
4: Yeah, and, and I'm delighted at this point. Yeah.
2: Three and nine. Now they're just playing draft position. And, and now I think is where they could get a couple of wins because they're facing all their divisional opponents at home in, in uh, the end of the season. So it starts in week 14 against Washington.
4: Yeah, so At home, they could probably handle Washington. Maybe um, four nine. Maybe their rookie quarterback is starting to get a feel for things at this point in the season.
2: OK. And then at week 15, they're at Baltimore.
4: Come on. We know Bradford's not going to be still be in the still be their quarterback at this point this season. I think they're still struggling and they take another loss.
2: All right, and then they face the Giants at home on Thursday night, three days later.
4: Yeah, they'll split with the Giants, so let's give them a win here.
2: Okay, so that gets them up to 5-10, and 10, and then they finish the season at home against the Cowboys.
4: Yeah, if Romo is playing, they don't have a chance against the Cowboys, and I'm assuming he will be, just, you know, why not? So I'll give it to the Cowboys.
2: Okay, Shamir, how do you feel about that 5-11 and 11 prediction for your Eagles?
1: I mean, I have them somewhere at 7-9, and nine, so we're only off by two games. You know, I, have, I, I don't know. There's a couple of games in there that I think they can go either way, and it's, it's just so hard to predict this offense. I really have no idea how this offense is going to play. So I, I, you know, it wouldn't shock me if they went 5-11 and 11, or it wouldn't shock me if they went 7-9. and nine. I don't think there's really much of a difference. They're missing the playoffs either way.
2: All right, okay, so I'll give you a chance for a little bit of revenge against A.B. Actually, you and Jordan will split this one, but uh, you'll do before the bye. So the Giants in Week 1, they're at the Cowboys. I had the Cowboys winning that one. Yeah, and will uh, Eli somehow screw up the clock management at the end of that game or will the Cowboys win it more easily?
1: No, I just think the Cowboys the Cowboys are are ready to kind of explode. They're right they, they had such a frustrating last season. I think they're going to put up a 40 burger on the first game the first game. Oh wow. All right, week 2, they're at home against the Saints. Are the Saints even good anymore? The Giants. Did the the Giants gave up like 750 touchdowns to the Saints last yeah, year? They yeah, usually well, that, it they was usually they like
2: usually 49-41 do. or something.
1: That was a crazy game. I think the Giants win that game.
2: All right, so they're one and one. Then they face Washington at home the next week.
1: Washington at home. They should. They should. They should protect home field against the Washington. All
2: right, two and one. Uh, now they go on the road to face the uh, two strongest teams in the NFC North on uh, national TV games in consecutive weeks. Interesting. Uh, so in week four, they're at the Vikings on Sun on Monday Night Football. That's a win for the Giants. Oh wow! Really? Yeah. Have you seen Eli's career numbers against the Vikings? He has I four touchdowns and interceptions. I knew this was yeah. coming. <laughs> <laughs> Eli <laughs>
1: always has massive first halves, and he plays well with the lights on in the first half of the season. Yeah, no, that's true. He is much worse in the second half. All
2: right, so that's a big win on the road. They get to three and one, and then the next week yeah. they're on Sunday night football against the Packers. They can't beat the Packers in the road, no way. All right, okay, so they're still three and two, and then they come home to face Baltimore. That's a win, also. Still,
1: they're, 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 they, go in, they go into these first half six and two, seven and one every couple of years. Yeah, they're and- usually better on
2: the road than at home, though. In the Eli, all right, so they're four and two, and then they go to London yeah. the next week to face the Rams. Oh, that's a win also all right so uh five and two and then coming off the bye they face the eagles at home
1: in the meadowlands yeah it's a win also oh, wow you
2: have the giants at six and two this year and then uh the next week they're at home against the cincinnati Bengals on monday night football
1: no the Bengals are good
2: that's a loss all right six and three and then the next week they're at home against the bears uh, that's probably a giants win also oh, seven and three the next week they're at cleveland
1: they have to lose an easy one somewhere and cleveland's gonna win five games this year might as well be against the giants
2: all right, so you have them at 7-4. and four, uh, four. Yeah. Still, I think uh, Giants fans will take that at this point. Then they're at Pittsburgh the next week.
1: Probably a loss also.
2: All right, seven and 7-5, then Sunday Night Football at home against the Cowboys. It's a whip for the Giants. Revenge from opening night. At home the next week against Detroit. And in 9-5, and five, they might even be able to clinch this division. Uh, that's a loss for the Giants. Oh, wow, so they lose at home to the Lions. So that drops into 8-6. and six. Still in decent yep. position, although they got to go on the road their last two. Thursday Night Football, so on three days rest, they're at your Eagles. Hmm, that's a good one.
1: I, I don't think the, the Giants can beat the Eagles twice in a season, regardless of... It's just there's just too
2: much on the line for the Eagles fans. I lose that game. Okay, so eight and five to eight and seven, and all of a sudden it's a must-win in week seventeen at Washington to finish the season.
1: <sighs> this is like one of those years where you never know that Gi- the Giants could pull that magic again and the, you know sneak into the playoffs and do make do make some do some
2: damage. I give that, I give that to the Giants also. Oh wow! So they sweep Washington. They finish nine and seven. are yep. tied with the Cowboys. I'm not sure who uh, wins yeah. who wins the tiebreaker yet. Abi, would you would you take? How do you feel about a nine and seven prediction for the Giants this year?
4: That's kind of exactly where I'd put them. Uh, maybe I would. F- but he, has, flip he a few. has them losing
2: to Cleveland, losing to Detroit at home, winning at Minnesota on the road. But that's, so. That's, that's so giant. Yeah,
4: yeah maybe they, they take the Lions game. So I, I'm between 9 and 10. By the way, I was supposed to switch to Jordan
2: after the bye. I forgot about that. Sorry, Jordan.
3: No, no, that's okay. That's okay. You're on a roll. It was fine.
2: All right, Jordan, I'll, I'll let you decide. Uh, uh, go back and study that quickly. The Giants and Cowboys, both 9 and 7. Who's winning the tie? <laughs> <laughs> I think it'd be I think it'd be the Giants because we have them sweeping Washington. So they have the be- the better division.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that would be the Giants there. Um, And I, I think there is uh, you could give that Cleveland game to them. So, I mean, let's I, I think it'll I wouldn't be surprised if, yeah, the Giants win. Cowboys are second and maybe the Cowboys get the second wild card.
2: Are you guys in general agreement that, I mean, obviously anything could change, but it seems going into the season that the likelihood it'll be like last year where the winner of this division is going to be locked into that four seed in the playoffs. Yeah, I agree with that. A home game against the top wild card, which could be, you know, the Vikings or Packers. It could be Seattle or Arizona. Ugh, that's, not fun. Ugh, that's not fun.
4: I think that's right, unless it's the Cowboys. And if it's the Cowboys, I could see them winning You know, if everything goes right for them, then they could be the two or three seed.
2: All right. okay. so there we have it. Nine and seven for the Giants and Cowboys, seven and nine for Washington and five and eleven for the Eagles. We'll finish the podcast as we've been doing it this year. Now, I don't want to get off on a rant here. (laughs) (laughs) We'll start with you, A.B. What's the thing you hate the most about the 2016 Giants?
4: Probably the middle of their defense. Um, They've they've ignored linebacker, kind of as if the position doesn't exist in the draft for like 10 years. Um, And it it hasn't worked out till now, so I don't see why that would change.
2: All right, so the middle of that defense. Uh, What about you, Jordan? What do you hate the most about the Cowboys? Uh, Yeah, the defense in general, uh, the owner,
3: uh, number two receiver, (laughs) uh, tight end is getting old. Uh, Which player on the Cowboys elicits the most curse words from you. on an average. Oh Sunday. man, <laughs> that's hard. It used to be Flo Zell Adams back in the day. Cause he would take so many penalties, a lot of false starts. Yes. Mm. Uh, but nowadays, oh man, probably, I'll say probably someone like Brandon Carr, or Mo Claiborne. Um, I, I cl- or, is, or is it when they cut to Jerry in the box? Yeah, or, or when they cut to Jerry getting his glasses cleaned, uh, in, in yeah. the box. Yeah. Jerry, I just hate Jerry Jones. With one of his buddies in there. Yeah, Exactly. With Chris Christie. Yeah. Chris Christie was in there. Yeah. I just, Jerry Jones is just, he's just terrible. And I, I, uh, I just I wish they'd do something to get rid of him, but they never will. And I'm just going to have to wait until, you know, he he passes on, uh, which is, uh, you know, will be a sad day, I'm sure, for his family. But, you know, I just I I just think the Cowboys are just going to be mediocre until then. So there's so many problems on this team. So many problems. But I mean, the the good parts of the team, if they're so good, they could almost lift up the rest of the team and, you know, make them somewhat decent. But I don't don't see them going on a, a deep run or
2: anything this year. Yeah, I was just thinking about how beloved Chris Christie was in New Jersey after Hurricane Sandy. And he decided (laughs) to use that political – he decided first he's going to become friends with Jerry Jones because there's nothing that New Jerseyites, whether they're Giants fans or Jets fans or Eagles fans, there's nothing they like more than Jerry Jones and the Cowboys. And then he threw in with Trump. So he still does love Bruce, so he has one thing going for him in New Jersey. But, yeah, I, I understand why his approval ratings in that state are a little low at the moment. Shamir. Yes. What do you hate the most about this, uh, this Eagles team?
1: Nothing gives me greater aggravation than thinking back to the days when we had LaShawn McCoy, Jeremy Macklin, Deshaun Jackson, and the explosive playmakers. Now you look at the roster, just totally devoid of an explosive offensive player. You know, we wish we, Eagles, wish we had a Des Bryant or an Odell Beckham or even a, we, we would bring Deshaun Jackson back in a heartbeat. I mean, we don't have a single player on the offense, maybe with the exception of a, the occasional screen pass to Darren Sproles that really scares teams or can really get Eagles fans out of their seats. I mean, the Eagles, if they're lucky, are going to dink and dunk down the field and you know run it in from two yards out. But there's, there's, no, there's not going to be a lot of 80-yard touchdowns from this team.
2: A.B., let me ask you another question, actually, because to me this answer is so obvious, and yet I've seen some alternative takes the last couple of weeks, which kind of surprised me. So let me ask you, as a Giants fan, but try and be objective, not do you think he should be, but do you think he will be? Will Eli Manning be in the Hall of Fame?
4: Uh, I thought you were going for should. Will is, will is a little bit of a twist. Um, it's really hard to say how, you know, how people are going to perceive him. Um, I think if his career ended today, no. Um, if he puts in four more years, um, even like he did the last four, I think he's going to squeeze in as, as probably one of the worst quarterbacks in the hall of fame, but yeah, I think he'd make it.
2: Wow. I'm, I'm shocked to hear that to me. It's like so obvious, like beyond a shadow of a doubt that he will be in the hall of fame. I'm not saying whether he should be, but he's, I, first of all, he's going to have the numbers because he's played a long time in this era and he stayed healthy. He's already eighth all time in touchdowns and 11th all time in yards. So he could end up top five all time of both of those. He's got the two Super Bowls in New York. I mean, the most overrated player in NFL history, obviously, is Joe Namath. You win a Super Bowl in New York, you're almost guaranteed. You win two. I, I, like, I think Eli's very overrated. I don't think he should be. But to me, it's like a no-brainer. He will be. So I'm kind of surprised that as a Giants fan, you think that he might not. If, I mean, if his career ended today, he's eighth all-time in touchdowns. He's got six fewer than John Elway.
4: You made a strong case, but... I you know every time I read an article from any writer about this, it's it's about how his numbers just don't compare to anyone, like literally anyone that's in the not literally, but almost anyone who's in the Hall of Fame right now. But again, his yards and
2: touchdowns are better than everybody's. He's got more than Joe Montana.
4: I think they're going to put him in there, Dan Fouts. I think they'll put him in there.
2: Yeah, <laughs> Jordan. What about Tony Romo?
4: <laughs> oh man, it's a a
3: question. Hey, um, so much potential. I mean. Right now, no. Um, but uh, I love Tony Romo. I think he's such a good dude. So I, I've, maybe if, you know, maybe if he somehow can win a Super Bowl or or something at the end of his career here, he could squeak in. But I, I, I can't really see it at this point of his career. Of
2: his career.
4: He's gonna need yeah. a Super Bowl they, to have any chance.
2: Yeah, and for him, his perception, he has the problem the opposite of Eli, because he's actually, I mean, he's been great since he came into the league. He's the second most game-winning drives of all quarterbacks behind only Peyton Manning, and the second most fourth-quarter comebacks behind Peyton Manning. He is the most clutch quarterback that you can possibly be, and yet his perception is the complete opposite of that, obviously. And so he gets punished for something that's actually a strength. And then also, obviously, his injury, so he hasn't really played that long, and he hasn't, even though he's been good in the regular season. In the playoffs, he hasn't succeeded, so... I think he's a better quarterback than Eli Manning, but whereas I think Eli definitely will be in the Hall of Fame, sadly, I don't think Romo will unless he somehow, you know, stays around for another two or three years and does something like Kurt Warner. But anyways, guys, uh, (laughs) Shamir, will Carson Wentz be a Hall of Fame?
1: I don't know. I can't – can anybody (laughs) on this podcast name uh, a trade where you traded 15 draft picks for one player that was successful?
2: (laughs) Exactly.
3: (laughs) RG – oh, wait, no. Yeah,
2: Ricky, uh, Ricky Williams, Herschel Walker, yeah. All right, well, guys, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, you know, Jordan, once again, you're on Twitter, Jordan Parhar, A-B or A-B-A-B-I-E, Sutton. Shamir, you're Tony the Hippo. Correct. Thanks, guys, for joining us. Uh, we might hear from you again if uh, one of your teams uh, becomes more relevant this season than, uh, than I think they are. But look, if, uh, if the Giants rate in three, A-B, we're going to have to bring you on at that point.
4: Happy to do it.
2: All right, guys, thank you so much. Uh, have a do good you night. Care. See you.